Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here. This is the Neighborhood Watch here on a Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. On today's show, a look ahead to this weekend, five things to watch in the Big 12 Conference in week one. The slate, not excellent, but there's still plenty, plenty to pay attention to as the Big 12 really primes itself for a big week two uh, in the non-conference slate. Once again, the Neighborhood Watch here, we're part of the 365 Sports Network. You guys can find this show wherever you guys get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Like the video, please subscribe. Our goal is 12,000 by the end of the month. We are a little bit over 100 away. We need your all's help to get there. We're on track, then we're now we're off track, so... Please help us put uh, the show and the entire channel over the edge. Find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show at NWPod365. Big time note here. It'll be in the uh, link below. Uh, our CBS Sports Pick'em. I did this on my last podcast. We'll do it this year too. Picking all the Big 12 games against the spread plus some other games each week. Uh, and you guys can be a part of that. The winners, the end of the season, I'll take three winners. We'll all get a piece of uh, Neighborhood Watch merch, which is about to go to the 365 Sports store. I'll have a link for that when it comes up. But if you guys go to CBS Sports, you guys do the college ball pick them. If you all search the Neighborhood Watch or click the link below, use the password watch. You all can sign up uh, and you guys can join in the fun. It's free to do. It's easy to do. It's a lot of fun. We always talk crap during the season. And uh, I will have my picks on Saturday. You guys will want to be following those picks. Last year, they were very, very strong against the spread in Big 12 football. We'll hope to keep that going, and basketball too. Uh, we'll hope to keep that going this season, although it's a lot more to manage. I'll take my five favorites from every single week. So that, uh, you guys make sure to jump in on the CBS Sports part of it and also jump in uh, down the line as well. All right, let's get to the action. So it is week number one. This is not the best slate in the world. There's a couple decent games. I think we look at the TCU-Colorado game, obviously, as a big one. We look at the, uh, the you know, uh, TCU-Colorado. TCU uh, we also look at West Virginia-Penn State, big rivalry game, but still an uphill climb. We look at some of the other games, UTSA-Houston, which is an interesting contest, but still there's a whole lot of FCS versus FBS, lower-level FBS versus uh, you know some Big 12 schools. So 
you have to kind of find the interest where you can. Because if you look ahead to week two, Illinois, KU, Baylor, Utah. Uh, Troy has been really good, you know, in the past, I guess not as much recently. I think they were pretty good last year still, too. K-State, Iowa, Iowa State, SMU, Oklahoma, Cincy, Pitt, Bama, Texas, Oregon, Texas Tech, Boise, UCF, uh, Oklahoma State, Arizona State. Like, so many good games next week. So, it's kind of your primer getting ready, but there's still plenty to look forward to. There's still a lot on the line here, too. And so, we will go through that here. First thing is first on this entire kind of weekend as I look ahead, y'all. All All right, five things to watch. Number one has got to be West Virginia needs a fast start. And I don't even mean a win in this situation. I don't think West Virginia even needs a win. I'm not talking about getting a victory. I'm talking about getting something that resembles a decent start that you can feel positive about because here is why. That start for them is brutal. Neil Brown's been given almost an extra chance at life. And they've got Duquesne the next week, then Pitt at home and Texas Tech before things really ramp up. So they're going to get some home games. That's really nice. But they need something they can take from this game because the one knock I've had, and I think a lot of folks have had, is that what has Neil Brown's West Virginia teams, what have they done well? What do they do well on both sides of the ball? They've had individual players play well, but what do they do well? What does their identity need to be? They were not a great defense last year. Their offense struggled. CJ Donaldson was really good, but they didn't have much of an identity outside of that. So when you think about that schedule, they need something they can take from that. They need to be ready week two. And so, you know, when things start uh, rolling for them, they get home for that week three game against the Pitt Panthers. They need to be ready to rock because Pitt has Cincinnati next week. That game's at home, sure, but still it's a game, you know, it's a bigger game. Uh, you know, area kind of rival, and they've got those back-to-backs. So they need to be prepped for those and ready to go. So West Virginia kind of gets that off week. And they'll get Texas Tech after that as well. So that start is going to be huge for them because if West Virginia wants to save Neil Brown's job, they need to, you know, make sure there's something from this game and make sure it's just not an absolute curb stomping. It might end up bad, but they need some positives they can take away, whether it's kind of an answer at who's going to be the quarterback, whether it is, oh, okay, the Garrett Green, Donson run game is going to work, some answers on defense. They need to find something that resembles a decent start. That's my number one for them because I think the hottest seat is that seat in Morgantown. It's almost so hot, it's beyond hot. I view Dana Holgerson's seat as hot. I feel like Neil Brown's got to almost work his way back into hot seat territory. So that's where I go with number one. Number two, TCU flying under the radar, question mark. They are. I was at Big 12 Media Days. Not much talk about the Horn Frogs. Obviously, a great year for them last year, but I think people take uh, you know expect them to take the step back, which is relatively. You know, I think that's very much a natural thing that would happen. But I don't think it's 100% set in stone. Uh, I think because you bring in Kendall Bryles, who if you want to criticize him, a bit too cute at certain times. But you know, it's a pretty big move for Sonny Dykes. Going to go back to Chandler Morris, who was a quarterback start of last year. They hit the portal pretty hard to bring in some guys, but they still have a, a defense. It's got a bunch of guys back from last year. It wasn't an excellent defense, but it was a defense that was very good at making adjustments. And good thing for them is they're playing a Colorado team that's going to have a lot of hype coming to this game. So they're one half of the national championship game from last year, and TCU's the less talked about team in this game and also getting a look at a, a future uh, conference rival. So I like this spot for TCU. I generally feel like they are under the radar this year. And it's weird to think that once again, one half the national title game flying under the radar, but that is the case here. Texas tech in a slip up spot. 
They are playing the Wyoming Cowboys. This game, 6.30 Central on Big CBS. Now, the reason why this is a slip-up spot is because Texas Tech's got a lot of hype. They've also got the Ducks coming in, uh, Ducks of Oregon coming in next week. The reason why I call this a slip-up spot, I watched the Missouri Tigers go into this exact game a couple years ago. I think the year was 2019, I want to say. Missouri goes to Wyoming in the beginning of the year, and they lose 37-31. It looked good to start and kind of got sideways for them. So Wyoming team that was 7-6 and six last year. Actually, I don't know how much they, you know, they bring back uh, from that team, but it was a team that was you know somewhat decent last season. They have, once again, pulled upsets like this before, and Texas Tech, you know, is looking ahead. So Texas Tech needs to get things kind of going, all systems go. How Wyoming ended up with Missouri and uh, – you know, Texas Tech coming to their house in, in basically, you know, consecutive years, I, uh, or not consecutive years, but, you know, in, in recent memory, I, I don't know. It's very impressive that they've actually made that happen, but they have gotten those opportunities. They did take advantage of one of them a few years, a few years ago, excuse me. And, uh, you know, I think it's another you know chance for them. They had Washington State a couple of years ago as well coming to their house. So they've gotten some of these big games. They've been able to pull some of these results as well. Texas Tech will be looking ahead to that Oregon game, I think, in some ways. But still, it's the first week of the season, and still there's been so much hype. So I think Joey McGuire will have his team dialed in. I do not think they're going to be overestimating the opponent because I think they understand the opportunity ahead of them and the hype around them. And so you got to go to Wyoming. you got to take care of business first thing first. And you can kind of think about, all right, what is next for them uh, you know, as they move forward? But you know, Jonah Field, uh, you know, War Memorial Stadium there, in Laramie, you know, can be can be uh, can be a difficult place to play. Can Houston avoid the 2022 start again? So why do I single out the Houston Cougars? Well, they had this weird start last season. The team had a lot of expectations and they had some injuries, but they had that UTS game, which was bonkers, three overtimes. They won that one and you argued they could have lost it. Still a close game. Two overtimes against Texas Tech. They started off fast against KU and then had the rain delay. Uh, and then came out and got blasted after that. They beat Rice by seven. Then they were at home and lost to Tulane in overtime. So they played six overtimes in their first five games, and they ended up going two and three in that start. So Houston, I really think with all the pressure on Dana Holgerson this year, you know, we talk so much about, okay, this is a school that is in a massive, massive uh, population hub where they are, University of Houston, obviously. They have been wanting to join a power conference for years. They are finally in that now. We're playing other schools in Texas. We're playing school uh, a school in Florida, which they have been before, but now at the power five level. Obviously, it is more exposure. It is a university that financially has made the investment in its football program. And so we mentioned UCF's ability to get guys that are wanting to go other places or have gone other places and come back home. They have the ability to do that now too and be appealing in the transfer portal, whether it's guys in the state of Texas that want to go play in the SEC, whether it's guys in that Southeast, you know, Louisiana, whether it's Florida in that footprint who still want to be in a power conference, but may not be playing at the biggest schools or guys need a fresh start. They represent that, but you have to wonder, is the coach going to be there? Is this defense going to improve? Because, and, and I mean, to be honest with you, I think there's a question about is, uh, are there UTS or excuse me, are there Houston fans who are eyeing the guy on the other side of this Jeff trailer as potentially the guy to replace him. Now, I think a lot of folks will want Jeff Trailer 
Uh, I think Houston's got the resources to do it, but but would Jeff Trailer want to go somewhere else, or does he think Houston's a program that he could turn around? So I think that's really fascinating about this game and UTSA, obviously off of last season, which. I mean, you could say it was massive success, right? You know, they end up going, what, 11 and three, but somewhat of a disappointment because they lost uh, that Houston game in the beginning, you know, and they lost to Troy in their bowl game as well. So, you know, a three, uh, Texas two was in there. Um, that's a game they should be losing, though. So, uh, you know, th- that was a team last season that felt so good about where they were heading into the year. And I mean, 11 and three, the fact that they've made that disappointment, the fact they bring brought back a lot of that team, and, you know, they're not losing a ton of guys, at least it looks like the portal. Um, you know, I never lost some, but not like a million dudes, it feels like. And the fact that people love Jeff Trailer and seems to know what he's doing down there in the state of Texas, you know, I think this makes this matchup really interesting because if you were to give the coaching head uh, edge rather to one of these guys, I think we would go with Jeff Trailer at this point in time. If you asked me five years ago, no, you'd probably say that you would give that coaching edge to Dana Holgerson. But now with what they've done, uh, and, and this to me is got the chance to be the most competitive game of the weekend uh, when it comes to Big 12 teams. I really do believe that this has got a, a good chance to be the most competitive of the Big 12 games that we see. And then that gets us to quarterback questions. When you look across this conference and you look across the schedule this weekend, I'm thinking about guys, okay, who has you know the, their, their spot solidified? Uh, UCF, Kent State. Sure, we know that, that John Rice Plumley's the guy. Kansas, Missouri State. We know that, uh, that Jalen Daniels is going to be the guy. TCU, Colorado, we know that they've got their guy in Chandler Morris, but you know how solid is that? And, and once again, he was replaced last year, and we actually didn't know how good he was going to be. Um, that is an incredibly interesting situation. They bring in a Chance Nolan from Oregon State. I don't think he's going to be a guy at all, but uh, you know, I think Chandler Morris is the guy, but still that quarterback situation is one that bears watching. Then you have Oklahoma, obviously, with Dylan Gabriel. Iowa State in the weird spot that they are in because, you know, Hunter Deckers is going to be out, and I don't think that we think he's going to be playing again. Uh, and once again, they have the really young kid who's coming there now. I've totally blamed his name off the top of my head, and that's why I'm flipping through my uh, my magazine to go once again look. But they're going to be turning to a, a younger player. I think it was what, J.J. Cole was the guy, and then Eli Sanders – or um, uh, Rocco Becht was the other guy they brought in. So they've got a decision to make at that quarterback spot. Texas plays Rice. I, obviously a lot of excitement around Texas just in general, but I want to see how much better Quinn Ewers has gotten. Will this give us a good answer? No, but I want to see what that offseason has yielded and will we see some Malik Murphy in there as well. Cincinnati has got Emory Jones playing quarterback, but how strongly do we feel about his chances for success this year? I mean, this is a guy who's bounced around everywhere, so it's not like this guy is you know a sure thing at quarterback. K-State's got Will Howard. Baylor, uh, Sawyer Robinson has, has flashed at times in camp and people are excited about him. And I think he's there to put some pressure on Blake Shapin, but he's got some things to prove. Donovan Smith at, uh, at Houston, obviously, is the guy right now What we think is going to be the guy moving forward. Uh, and I think we have a pretty good chance with that. Oklahoma State's got two guys. This is where you start hitting the teams with multiple guys. You know, Oklahoma State's got two guys, right? They've, they've brought back uh, Alan Bowman into the Big 12 once again, and also Garrett Rangel and Mike Gundy has said, we'll play two guys. So the fact that nobody's won that job outright, maybe he's being coy and whatnot, but they've got the UCA bears, actually a pretty decent FCS program. UCA bears at home at six o'clock on ESPN plus uh, I'm uh, I think it's going to be Alan Bowman starting things out, but you know, I think he wants both those guys to be ready. And I think this league also showed too, like, you need some depth. The reason why look, KU fell off a cliff, 
but it wasn't because their offense was terrible. I mean, we saw it, you know, last year, the fact they had Jason Bean, the quarterback depth matters. Texas Tech was really competitive because they had multiple guys who were really strong for them at the quarterback spot last year. And that gets us to a West Virginia type team. I know we talked about them uh, earlier, but Garrett Green, Nico Markiel, like they've got some things to look at the quarterback spot because Garrett Green is a passer, pretty uh, unproven commodity if you will, very good runner, uh, very talented with that. But what's that offense going to look like? Has he improved as a passer? Do they need Nico to be the guy passing the football for them? And the next two teams, we think Keaton Slovis at BYU and obviously at Texas Tech, it's going to be Tyler Shuck. But still, I think there's, you know, the guys with the safest jobs, obviously, are John Rice Plumley and then you know, Jalen Daniels and Dylan Gabriel. Uh, you know, then you got guys, uh, Chandler Morris feels safe because he was going to start last year, but. How safe is he? Emory Jones, right? How safe is he? Will Howard's pretty safe, but you know, um, how much of a leash does a guy like a Blake Shapen get? Donovan Smith, you know, I think I feel pretty good about him being the QB, but you got to think like there are situations where, all right, I know the starter is, but are we all in on the entire season? That guy being the guy all the way through, I think is a big question to ask. And so quarterback questions happen a lot now in modern college football, but they happen all the way around. And so, uh, you know, questions be answered. Who will stay healthy? Now, I think if I go back to last year's week number one, I don't remember if anybody got dropped in a game. I think everybody won. Uh, essentially, you know, all the week one games that we had back in 2022, uh, I can double, let's see, let's go back to 2022 and double check here. But I don't remember having a, a big 12 team take an L uh, well, we had West Virginia against Pitt, right? So that was a power five game, but the rest of the way, like nobody tripped up, right? One way traffic for Oklahoma. So that game ended up being weird. You know, CMU scored 44 points, but KU big win, TCU big win, OU big win, Iowa state big win, Baylor, Kansas state, you know, everybody down the line kind of got big wins. Um, there's some more competitive games. I think, you know, Houston's game, obviously I mentioned could be competitive. I know Sam Houston State at least a couple years ago was pretty good, so we'll see if they give BYU any troubles at all. But TCU Colorado is still a power five game, and at least the front line, the original, you know, the the top starters at Colorado have improved. So you think that could be more competitive? West Virginia has Penn State, so that should be an exciting game. So I think there's still plenty of meat on this bone in week number one. Those are the five things I'm looking forward towards the you know to seeing what happens the most. Let me know what your alls are in the chat as well. I want to wrap up with some conference realignment talk. So I've been following this ACC story and uh, I won't know what will be happening on Tuesday morning. So if something happens there, but I'm assuming that this entire situation is going to result with the big 12 or excuse me, the ACC adding some more schools. And I think that is a reasonable thing to think because if they're getting more money out of this due to the fact uh, that SMU is not going to take any money and Cal and Stanford are going to be taking very, very small amounts of money kind of gets you back to the idea of, all right, well, should the big 12 basically commit being to all, you know, all the way done. I think Brett Yormark is always doing his homework, always looking ahead, always trying to make sure he knows what is going on uh, when it comes to conference realignment. I think he's doing his due diligence, but he did say that they're done. Is that something that you should reopen? Should you look across the country and say, all right, what schools would be so willing to just jump into the power five that they would take a not seven year, no sum at all, but 
massive discount just to get into a power five conference. You know, folks were sending me stuff about San Diego state today being like, guys, this, you know, that's saying this is not a power five uh, team. There are other, other, you know, there's other places that deserve to be in the power five, other programs, guys, their basketball just played a national championship and their football has been like a relatively consistent winner. They're in a major American city. They're in California. Their facilities are definitely nice enough to be in the big 12. Like they cross off all of those boxes. They do fulfill being in that fourth time zone and also being on the West coast and making the big 12, a coast to coast conference. But the question then becomes like, do they satisfy the big 12 in the sense of, all right, well, you're going to be taking care of a lot of your own financials for a bit of time, right? Cal and Stanford joining the ACC at the price they're joining is, is indicating that, look, they're going to be, you know, folks there at those universities are going to be taking care of a lot of their Olympic sports for traveling because they have to give that money across all the sports. There's no way you can give it all to football for what they need uh, to cover all of the costs and make sure they're still competitive in a power five way to basketball for what they need. And then to the Olympic sports, which Stanford and Cal very much pride themselves on being good at. There's no way you can take care of those sports recruit at that level and travel all the places they want to unless you got somebody flipping the bill and SMU, I think we know it's kind of a, it was kind of a daddy's money thought about, you know, what SMU is. I don't, I'm not saying I take that thought, but I think there's a lot of folks who approach it that way. So when I think about a school uh, like that, like they are the exception, not the rule, but our conference is going to start saying, you know, not just to people like SMU, but maybe even members that are currently there. Hey, if you still want to be a part of this, you might have to take less money or, Hey, if you will still be a part of this, we'll guarantee part. But then the next thing that's going to happen is, are they going to put more money into a pot and go with the competitive balance? Because that money, it sounds like in the ACC is going to be at least, you know, Stanford and Cal are adding on and SMU is going to add on. Part of it's going to go to the schools, but also part of it's going to be broken up in that competitive balance type way, which I find to be fascinating. Now, I'm wondering how the schools are going to handle that, how they're going to divvy it up and, and who's going to be upset and, does it actually end up saving the ACC or just make their schools a bit more competitive for the time being? All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Please, please subscribe to the show, the channel. Uh, also, once again, find us wherever you get your podcast. Five-star ratings as well there. Make sure you guys join our CBS Sports Pick'em as well. Neighborhood Watch 2023 is the name. Also, the password is just watch, W-A-T-C-H, no caps. All right, that will do it uh, for today's show. Talk to you guys tomorrow.